Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Yo. Buenos dias, Canvas Church. How are we doing this morning? Are we good? We're doing well? Fantastic. It's always a blessing and an extreme privilege to be at the pulpit and to share a wonderful message. If you guys need some notes, go ahead and raise your hand for those of you that like to fill in. Excellent. Um, So we've been in a series called This Is Us and it essentially focuses on the core principles of Canvas Church. Is there an image that we can pull up that brings up all five of them? Do we have that? Maybe we don't, but today we're gonna be talking about the core principality of fun. Everybody say fun. And I'm not sure how many times the word fun shows up in scripture, it's probably close to zero. But as far as Canvas Church and how we operate, I've been a part of the church for almost a decade. It's about seven years existing specifically as Canvas Church and I think another few years as Urban Church prior to, and I can say, I can testify that Canvas Church is fun. If you've been a part of the church for a while and you feel the same way, make some noise, a little bit of noise. Yeah, yeah, so I chose to speak on this subject because it's both a combination of cheesy and it's a bit of a challenge. How do you talk about fun in the church? We're gonna do that today, but we need to start off strong, people. We're gonna start off so strong. You're gonna be so uncomfortable and I'm gonna love every second of it. When's the last time you had a dance party? When's the last time you had a dance break? Who had a tough week? Raise your hand if you had a tough week, if you had some challenges. Guess what you need to do? You need a boogie. Okay, you need to drop it and then pick it back up. Don't drop it too low, we're in church, okay? But this morning, we need to boogie. So we're going to have a 30 second dance break, okay? Because we're focusing on fun. I'm gonna give you 10 seconds to go ahead and stand up, stand up, get the cobwebs out the knees real quick, work out those elbows real quick, Kirsten, it's your birthday. You better stand up, girl. Okay, we're boogieing. Okay, we're gonna start that timer and we're gonna bump when I count down, okay? Get your best move. You only have 30 seconds, maximize it. We're going in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. That's wonderful. Today, someone's gonna walk up to you and ask you, when's the last time you had a dance party? You're gonna say, this morning at church, get saved, bro. Get saved. (laughs) But no, seriously, that confetti and whatnot, um, just, you know, if you find it deep in your heart to help me pick all that stuff up, please do it. (laughs) That's a real thing. (laughs) 
Pastor Bid is watching and he's like, dude, where do you, uh, I leave for a second and then you want to destroy the church. Um, okay, again, we're focusing on fun. We are starting strong. We're going to finish even stronger. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture today because I want the word of God to speak for itself. It's so good. Um, we're going to be reading from Philippians 1 verses 3 through 18. And it reads, stop it. <laughs> I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel for the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers with me of grace, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And as I pray, as this I pray, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Let us pray this morning. Jesus, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. We thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to gather together. You are present. That is evident. And we pray that you move this morning. You have your way this morning, Father God. Every word is inspired by you, Lord, and you've been preparing hearts, Father God, and you are encountering us in this moment. You are meeting us in this moment, Lord, and we thank you for that. Have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Apparently, dance parties get me a little thirsty these days because no longer can I attend the young adults group. What do you mean, dude? Are you joking? Like, it's rude, you know? I feel like last year was 28, we're 26 now, what are we doing? Okay, um, so again, we are focusing on fun, but honestly, for being honest, the average person, when we think about fun, church isn't always the first thing that comes to mind. It's not, there are several things that may, but church isn't always the case. For the average person, those of us here, we are above average, so that's like number one for us. But for the average person, that is not the case. Although our kids, our kids are running to church and they're ready to turn up, they wanna hang out with their friends and they wanna party. Honestly, oftentimes we need to follow their lead. They're setting the best example possible. But fun and church, not always 
synonymous. But this past week we had small group, it was on Wednesday, and it was fantastic. Like I, like I left literally saying, man, that was such a good time. And when I think about it, that's ridiculous that I feel that way. Because all we did, we hung out, I think it was about six or seven of us, we talked about how we're doing, we prayed for each other, we talked about scripture, we're focusing on a book entitled Secrets, and we're talking about going to the secret place with God, and like, it, it, was, it was such a fantastic time. We even talked about how Aaron is gonna start to play the guitar once he gets motivated, and I told him his hair is perfect for that. If anything, he needs to do it for the sake of his hair. And then Betsy, we were talking about scripture and whatnot, and like she was like, oh, I know what it is. And she was batting an average of 500 or so, um, so she can improve in that area. And then when there was a scripture in uh, Psalms 42, verse 1, something concerning the, the deer panteth. Do, do, do people know that's, that scripture? And then they said there's a song like about the panting of a deer. And I was like, dude, I know I haven't been... It, it's, it's incredible, I, it's incredible. And I'm just like, dude, like I missed the whole ship, okay? Uh, and then I felt the need to remix it. Um, and then I was like, okay, let's let it apply to me a little bit. I was like, the deer panting, <laughs> the deer panting. <laughs> Can y'all do that with me? The deer panting, <laughs> the deer panting. <laughs> I feel like that was spiritual, okay? I'm trying to breathe life into you guys right now, okay? But I just had to apply that. To, but I left the small group like, yo, that was such a good time, but I couldn't say that too long ago um, when I was invested in debauchery and fun had a different definition. But when I thought about it, I'm, I'm fulfilled because I'm hanging out with people that are like-minded, that are like-hearted, that are faith-filled. We are sharpening one another. We are growing together. And as I am invested in this small group, as I am invested in the church, it's bearing fruit in my marriage, in my role as a father, and in other areas of my life. And that, that is fun. That is fulfilling. That is worthwhile. But again, the world has a different definition, a vastly different definition concerning what fun consists of. It's typically rooted in some form of personal pleasure or self-indulgence. There's a, a belief, and it's really unfortunate, it's one of the more prevalent lies that people come into agreement with, is that fun and God cannot coexist. You can't have a relationship with God and enjoy yourself. And that is one of the greatest lies that keep people outside of the faith. And what they do is they share that with other people. It's no fun. It, like if anything, we are being robbed of pleasure when we come into a relationship, but that is not the truth. The absence of boundaries does not mean the absence of enjoyment. And for those of us that are parents, we are extremely familiar with this. I have a three-year-old and they like to, she likes to play with her older sisters and they're usually doing something like restaurant or something like that. And I have to tell her, hey, like enjoy yourself, but don't punch your sisters in the face, okay? Don't do that. And sometimes she's like, okay, I get that. Other times she's like, dude, that's the best part <laughs> because it always catches them off guard. Just knock them in the face. They get all emotional. I have the power as a three-year-old. I run the house once again. And I'm like, baby, that is extremely entertaining for me as a father to see. But what I'm supposed to say, 
what I'm supposed to say, and the oldest sometimes, uh, baby hit her harder. Um, but what I'm supposed to say is don't do that, okay? Fun requires boundaries. When you are playing restaurant, don't hit your sisters. It's, parents, can we, can, we, can we relate real quick? It's a real thing. But again, like when it comes to enjoying ourselves and experiencing pleasure, even Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, and he references the things or the, the ways, in ways in which people operate that keeps them from inheriting the kingdom of God. And I'm going to list some of those things off. There's the fornicators, the, there's the idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, those that are covetous, drunkards, revelers, extortioners. Those are the list of people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. And such were some of you and such were some of us. If we're being honest, there were maybe seasons, moments in our lives where we can relate to some of those things that were listed. Those things were considered fun. We lived for the weekend maybe, or some form again of self-indulgence. But it says, but it says, so were some of you, were past tense. However, because we have been sanctified, come on, because we have been justified, because we have been washed. We have been made holy. Chains have broken. Chains have broken. We are holy. We are set apart. And those behaviors that we were once familiar with that corrupted us, that sabotaged our relationship with other people and with God, no longer are we those things. It's what we were. It's not who we are. We have been washed we have been sanctified. We have been justified. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Come on. It's real. It is real. So yes, as Christ followers, as Christians, we, we can have fun. It's possible. It's available to us, and we can do it in Christ. However, it's important for us to note that our enjoyment comes from a place of joy. I'm going to read these two scriptures. They won't pop up on the screen. I was just, you know... Jesus was downloading some stuff last night. Um, and it reads, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then in Jeremiah 15, 16, it reads, your words were found and I ate them. Everybody say, delicious. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord. And as I read these, and I was, as I was thinking about it, and obviously the prominent psalmist was David, and he's over here saying just that in your presence there is the fullness of joy, and it's just exuberant. There's so much life. And who knows how long after a spear was thrown at him, he wrote down this psalm praising God. And then I think about Jeremiah, and obviously we know him as the weeping prophet, Jeremiah, the book, it's fantastic, but it is very rough. But despite the fact, despite his disparity, despite at one point he said, God, I wish I was never born. He has a moment with God where he says he delights in his, in his word. 
for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. And he's just celebrating and we can experience that same joy. And I feel as if Paul was experiencing that same joy, despite the fact that he was in chains as he was writing to the church of Philippi. I'm going to go ahead and revisit 12 through 14. It says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And as I was reading that chapter, it felt like some form of a love letter or celebration. Think about it, like the man is in chains. Who knows how many times he had been beaten up to that point. He's on lockdown for an illegitimate reason, for preaching the truth, for trying to save people, trying to help people to encounter a real and living God, and yet he is imprisoned, but he is celebrating with these people. He is rejoicing in his chains. When's the last time we had a tummy ache and our day was over? <laughs> like, there's no joy in this. We got a flat tire and we're just like, God's not with me, apparently, as I'm headed to work. Conflict in our relationships and we're just like, dude, where are you, God? What, what, what's going on? However, Paul being in this dire situation is able to rejoice, to experience genuine joy and share it with other people, a people that need it that are new in Christ, that are receiving life through the letters that he is penning. It's crucial, and it, it reminds me that joy is a choice. Everybody say, joy is a choice. It is a choice. We have to choose joy, and I feel as if joy specifically is unique to the Christian faith. And I, I say that because our acceptance is not from God, is not in and of ourselves. Our acceptance is through Christ. It's through Christ that we are accepted. So if we have a rough day, if we, we have a rough week, our performance is not contingent on our acceptance. It doesn't change, but because God has accepted Christ and that's not something that's changing. And I feel like that's such a struggle in the church right now. We have some rough days. We have some real rough days. We have some days where we are inconsistent. We are hypocrites, where we operate in a way that opposes scripture and the way we know to live. Literally, we know better, but we operate in opposition and we disqualify ourselves. And yet God is saying, because I've accepted Christ, because you have accepted him, I accept you. I accept you. And that's so important for us to remind ourselves of this. And nor are when something does happen, because we all experience trials and difficulties, we as Christians have an opportunity to kind of reframe the thinking. Something is not being exacted upon me because of my behavior. The wrath of God is not being poured out on me in this moment. Do we reap what we sow? Absolutely. If we are sowing destruction in ourselves or in our relationships, there are consequences for that. There are also consequences for being a blessing, for doing good deeds. So it's, it's important for us to be mindful of that. But in this faith, 
according to our belief. We don't live by karma. We don't do that. We understand as Christ followers that it reigns on both the just and the unjust. Because we are in a fallen world, terrible things happen. And it's so difficult in moments to maintain a relationship with God when that difficulty arises, when that tragedy happens. And we're all so familiar with it in one way or another. It's hard to communicate with God and believe that he is who he says he is when we're going through stuff. There's such a challenge that presents itself in our trials. But is he still good? Yeah. <laughs> He's still good. Because the God that encountered us at our lowest moment in the valley that changed our lives. I don't know if you can pinpoint a moment where there was a genuine encounter with God and you knew things were different. You knew that he cared. You knew that he was personal. And maybe like a little too personal. It's like, God, come on, man. Can you stop reading my news um, on a Sunday morning? <laughs> but that same God who is intimate and personal and loving is all the more present when we are going through trials. In fact, it says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit crushed in spirit like he bends low to meet us during the most difficult moments and seasons of our lives but what is so important as we're going through trials because we will go through them is for us to count it joy i'm going to read from james 1 2 through 4 it says my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And what that scripture does not say is enjoy your trials. <laughs> it doesn't say have a good time and skip through every difficulty that you experience. What it says is count it joy, count it joy. So reframing our thinking concerning our trials and our difficulties, we have an opportunity to count it all joy because of what it will produce. We will come to a point where our patience is perfected and we lack nothing. And that's God's desire for us is to lack nothing because something that trials do, they create a void because it's new information that goes against our former understanding of things. So when we go through a difficulty, it oftentimes shatters our expectation. We enter a, a moment, a season of confusion, of discouragement, maybe even fear. And we recently went through a pandemic. Are we through it yet? I don't know. Did anybody get like an email? Did that end yet? No? Okay. Um, but it reframes our thinking when we go through very difficult things and then a void is created. And either we count it joy because our desire ultimately is to lack nothing, to have zero lack. 
We want our patients to grow even greater. I was at Walmart the other day, and I had a moment where my patients was growing. Apparently the escalators were down and then they only have two elevators and one was down. So I was like, oh my gosh, like these warm bodies, <laughs> me being one of them, in this elevator, I have an opportunity to lack nothing as I'm preparing for this message. It was just, it was a fantastic opportunity. It really was. I got to familiar with my community out in, uh, out in La Mesa. <laughs> but God doesn't want us to lack, but we have to count it joy. If we do not, if we do not impute God into those voids and into our challenges, then we're going to fill it with something. We're going to fill it with a narrative like, I'm incomplete. God does not hear me. God does not love me. These people, I, I hate them. They are foolish. And then all of a sudden we are focused on materialism. We are pursuing the affection and likes of other people. All of a sudden we are committed to this man or woman that represents a political party, but they're, they're not God. We cannot place our full confidence in anybody or anything but God, but it's necessary for us first to change the framework concerning our trials and what we think about them. We're going to go through them. Terrible things, whether we experience them directly or indirectly. Paul, again, in this moment, undeserving of the state of his life, is celebrating his chains, not knowing when his day, his days will come to an end. It is so important for us to count it all joy, not to enjoy the trial. God is not afraid of our negative feelings and our frustrations. He is intimately aware of how we feel and what we're going through. We have to invite him even into the hurt, the despair, the confusion, the hatred. Because he, with his power, that is beyond our comprehension, can make all the difference. Not us, not our merit, not the positive words, live life love of somebody. It is the power of God that makes the difference. But it's important for us to adopt the habits or the belief system of Paul and count it all joy. And it's important also to note that we have joy because we have hope. Everybody say hope. It says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. It says, may the God of hope and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will abound in hope. Hope is a super important thing. It is clearly important. And I, when I visualize what hope looks like, my imperfect picture of hope, I imagine someone standing up, one hand is a closed fist, the other hand is extended, and it's an open hand while that individual is looking forward. Again, standing up, both hands extended, one is a closed fist, one, the other is an open hand while they are looking forward. 
and what that represents to me ultimately is we're, we're supposed to control what we can control with that closed fist and with that open hand we're essentially saying God let your will be done but we are always looking forward always looking forward for me that's the picture of hope however it can become difficult depending on whether our personality type, our struggles, whatever we're experiencing. So for that closed fist to control, control what you can control, the type A personalities, you guys struggle with this big time. Because you're just like, hey, I'm going to put in this work. Raise your hand if you're a type A. You know who you are. Betsy, come on, dude. <laughs> but it's just like, hey, you know, we're going to grind. We're going to get this thing done. God, no, I hear you. Okay, no, but, 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 let me take this on. Okay, we can make it happen. Sorry to put you guys on blast. Um, and then there's the other group who's just like, fa-la-la-la-la, Lord, let your will be done. And they're just like, yo, I don't really need to do anything. Like, God's just going to do what he's going to do. I remember there was, <laughs> sorry, babe, uh, but I remember there was a moment. That's not her personal life. She's type A. But there was a moment in life where she was just like, we were at a, a prayer meeting. Um, this was in those old offices near, uh, near Sarah. Um, and she was just like, you know what? Like, why do I need to pray? Like, God's just gonna do what he's gonna do. Like, there's no point in me doing that. So, so during our, stop it back there, Ben. Um, so during our prayer times, like it was a couple, maybe two or three sessions, she would just sit in the corner and she'd be looking around and I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman is embarrassing me. People are gonna think that I am married to a heathen. And, and yes, I am absolutely married to a heathen. Uh, but, <laughs> but there was a moment where she, she spoke with uh, Pastor Naomi and she helped her understand. And she even brought up Isaiah and how he prayed for the people of Israel and how his prayer essentially made way for God to, to, to move. Um, but there is the struggle, depending on where you stand, of either I wanna control everything or I'm just gonna release, I'm not gonna take any steps because God is in control. But it's important for us to maintain some sort of balance, but always be looking forward. But always be looking forward. I'm gonna go ahead and read Philippians 3. 13 through 14. This is Paul again. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, of God in Christ Jesus. Looking forward, I press toward the goal. And I think that that doesn't just apply to the fact that he was condemning Christians and having them, them killed. I believe this also applies to the blessing that Paul was. Paul was a part of healings. He was part of people encountering God, achieving some form of understanding in Christ or restoration. And even those things, he was like, I'm gonna put that behind me. Oftentimes we are meditating on the last word that God gave us. We are basing the way that we think and operate on our last encounter with God, and that could have been years ago. But we should always be looking forward to the next opportunity to meet God, to hear from him, to do something for his name's sake, opposed to being caught up in today constantly, constantly looking down at our feet and what we're able to do in this very moment. God is constantly calling us to look forward 
to look ahead. And we have an incredible example in Jesus himself. It reads in Hebrews 22.2, looking unto Jesus, again, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that, the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I'll ask you guys this morning, what's before you? What's, like, what's before you? What are you looking forward to? Part of the reason we are not able to despise the shame of being a Christ follower and the difficulties that we experience is because we are not looking forward to anything. It's awesome to be able to look forward to the next event, to the next trunk or treat, to uh, the next young adult meeting. It's awesome to look forward to the next time that we invite somebody to church and they have an incredible experience and encounter with God. We have to look forward to those things or else we will be discouraged in this very moment and be robbed of our hope. That is such a struggle in the body of Christ, hope. And it's one of the greatest tactics of the enemy to rob you of your hope, for you to exist in your past and today, to look forward to nothing. But it is a command for us. <laughs> and again, we follow the example of Christ himself. It what was, it's what was set before him that allowed for him to endure something that was entirely horrendous. But it saved us. That is the power of looking ahead. That is the power of hope. Worship team, if you guys can come up. And I know that it can be difficult to pinpoint a moment or look forward to a specific event as far as where we're placing our hope and what our expectation may consist of. But I want to, I feel like God put it on my heart to bring up the, the fruit of the spirit. And that's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And I feel like God put it on my heart because <laughs> we don't consider it significant when we see growth in these areas. If there isn't, if you are in a moment in your life where it is extremely difficult to look beyond where you are today, what we can do is gauge where we've been concerning the fruit of the spirit, where we are and look forward to further developing in Christ, growing in these areas because it's God's going to use us in an amazing way when we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to transform and change us in these specific areas. And I feel like he's doing that with so many right now. Um, but before we get into that time, uh, because hope I feel like Cody was dead on concerning the, the heart being dry and people feeling as if they're either walking through a desert or on
on the inside at a spiritual level, just feeling dry, an absence of fruit, hardly coming across a positive moment and not being able to hear God. But God, I feel he wants to replenish. He wants to revitalize and he wants to quench something that's happening in many of us this morning. I believe that it's gonna be the restoration of hope. And I, I worked backwards essentially concerning fun and what that consists of for the Christian faith. I, I went fun, joy, hope, faith, but it actually starts with our faith. It starts with our faith. And I'm gonna read from Ephesians 2, eight through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. It starts with our faith, and from experiencing an encounter with God, being promised salvation, a belief in him, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that makes him real to us, then we have hope. And from hope and what we have the right to look forward to, the promises that have yet to materialize in our lives, yet we aspire toward them. That gives us joy and the joy, the, the fullness that we get to experience even when we are bound as Paul was, even in the midst of the trial. That's what allows us to have fun, not just in church, but in our lives in general. But I feel like there is specifically hope. You can look in your relationships and you don't have to look too far, whether in your friendships, whether in the workspace, um, you can look in the mirror. You can look in the church and identify an absence of hope. An absence of hope, someone that's just living day to day. And I feel like God wants to restore that aspect of faith. And if you have yet to come to faith, if you have yet to accept Jesus, if you have yet to, to ask that he transform and change you and make you a new creation through Christ, I suggest you do that today because again, that's where it starts. But for those of us that follow Christ, that believe in him, that proclaim that he is the, the way, the truth and the life, if you feel as if there is an emptiness, a dryness, an absence of hope, God wants to replenish you this morning. He wants to replenish you this morning. So if you guys can stand to your feet, our prayer team, if you guys can come up. As I was praying this morning, there was, uh, what came to mind was the spirit of suicide. A spirit of suicide. I'm not sure who that is, if anyone is in here that has struggled with whether the idea or the act of taking their lives, whether you've been consumed with despair and you're questioning whether it's worth living. You question what value you attribute to your life personally, the lives of those around you. I feel like God is He's wanting to meet you right now 
impute value. He wants to tell you, he wants to show you, he wants to meet you and put life back in you. He wants to restore your hope. So if there's anybody, whether you wanna profess your faith, come to Jesus, whether you want a restoration of hope or you are dealing with suicidal thoughts, attempts, I feel like what God put on my heart was there is just this momentum building. And there's more thoughts today than there was last month and the month before that. And before it goes any further, God wants to shut it down. He says, you are my son, you are my daughter. There is a reason why I gave you life. And even in the absence of this moment, he's going to breathe life back into you. Don't let this moment pass. You are extremely valuable. Not just in God's eyes, but there are people that absolutely adore you. Come meet God this this morning. Don't let that spirit overtake you. No longer allow that spirit, that spirit of suicide, suicidal ideations to rob you of the joy that is available to you in Christ. Let's shut it down this morning. So we're gonna worship for a little bit. Um, If any of those things apply or you want prayer for anything, come up and when you do, call it out. Name it, name it. I am dealing with suicidal thoughts. I don't know Jesus. I don't feel loved. I feel incomplete. I have hate in my heart. I'm scared about tomorrow. Whatever you are experiencing right now, give it a name, call it out, and let's hand it to God. Let's worship just for a little bit longer, guys. Come on up, guys.
don't waste this opportunity. It's not promised. Some of us know in this room very well that it is not promised. And the heartbreak is real, but we say yes. And we're gonna meet them. Don't let it pass. It is not promised. Love you.